Welcome to the 312, a sports show by Chicago fans for Chicago fans. Bulls, Cubs, White Sox, Bears, Blackhawks, your favorite teams, their dumb opinions, and occasionally some insight. And now here's Matt Peck and Sean Sears. What's up and welcome into the 312, Chicago's best sports talk. Coming to you live from 1590 WCGO on Saturday, October 27th. I'm your host, Matt Peck, my co-host, Sean Sears. What's up, Sean? Oh, you know, just excited to be here as the Cats are winning. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Go we're Cats. Get, we're getting our cat meows in here before. Our producers, Randall Betker and Andrew Marshall in the booth. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? We uh, yeah. So a quick score update for you as we kick off today's show. Thirty-one ten. The Cats ahead of Wisconsin at Ryan Field. Nine minutes and change left in the fourth quarter. Clayton Thorson out there looking like Peyton Manning, throwing beautiful touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know about that. Hey, come on. If you get a win over Wisconsin, it's a great day. Yeah. But I, I will say this: uh, Wisconsin actually did answer with a touchdown. It's thirty-one seventeen. And there's still plenty of time for the Cats to catch this up. Yeah, they're good at that. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted on that score as we move forward to that 3 o'clock hour. Uh, we also we got to talk Bears on today's show. A must-win game tomorrow. against. Mm. You can call it a must-win game, right, Sean? Yeah, I mean, if you don't win, it's pretty much that's how the season's going to go. Probably. I mean, you couldn't get it done against your first two games against the AFC East. The Dolphins and Pats, both winnable games. Certainly the Dolphins more so than the Pats. Mm-hmm. Now you got the two very winnable games on deck to finish out the AFC East slate of your schedule right. with the Jets tomorrow and then the Buffalo Bills the following Sunday. I mean, you got to call both of those must-win games because all the, uh, the Bears still have the bulk of their division schedule ahead of them. And when you get into the meat and potatoes of playing the Vikings twice, playing the Lions twice, playing the Packers again uh, later in December, you're not going to run the table on those division games. Hopefully they can win some of them, but you got to win the winnable games on the schedule, especially after dropping some of those winnable games already. And you're sitting at 3-3 three and three after being 3-1. and one. Right. Um, we got Mitch versus Darnold tomorrow. Ooh. That should be fun. The gunslinger matchup. matchup. The heavyweight matchup. Uh, the definition of a gunslinger matchup. Uh, also, it's October 27th, and maybe the bull season is already over. Yeah. We got to talk about that. An ugly loss to the Hornets yesterday. They're playing the back end of a doubleheader tonight down in Atlanta. We get to watch Trey Young for the first time Ooh, this he's season. Good. He's, he's looking pretty good. And, uh, you know, the Hawks aren't a great basketball team, but the Bulls, woof. Uh, injury bug already hitting them hard. Uh, but hey, at least the Blackhawks are playing some decent hockey. So we'll touch on them as well uh, as we get closer to 3 o'clock. You can listen to the 312 live at 1590wcgo.com as well as the TuneIn app and the Smart Talk app. You can also listen and watch the 312's live video feed from the studio on Facebook at facebook.com slash 1590wcgo. What's up, Facebook? Uh, you can follow WCGO on Twitter at 1590wcgo. We're at 312pod. Sean's at Sean R. Sears, and I'm at Bulls underscore Peck. All right, Sean, so I was just saying – must-win game for the Bears because right. not only is this a Jets team that isn't all that inspiring, they're 3-4, and four, and honestly, I'm surprised that they even have those three wins that they do have. Darnold is coming off of the worst game of his career, probably. Three <laughs> picks, a lost fumble, a 34 quarterback rating, Bad. getting trounced by the Vikes last week, and oh yeah, Bilal Nichols, half of their one-two punch running back, uh, you know, backfield, a really aw- awful, unfortunate neck injury 
that is certainly season-ending, could even be career-ending. Right. Um, and Isaiah Crowell, the other half of that backfield, will play but is banged up and is playing on one foot. So their backfield is depleted. Quincy Anunwa, Darnold's favorite target for the first few weeks of the season, out. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson, questionable, probably game-time decision. He's yeah. banged up. He's their second-best receiver. They had to go on the garbage heap of NFL discards and sign former Titans wide receiver Rashard Matthews, who, I mean, even the Bears wouldn't sign that guy last year. Right. Yeah, I mean, this, this is... Like, this Jets offense has nothing that this Bears defense should be afraid of. No, the Bears got to get the pass rush going. Uh, 100%, this looks like a bounce-back game for the Bears in general uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, which is what we really kind of need to see. We need to see them kind of show up for a game. Uh, so that that needs to happen. And it's not like they didn't show up for these other games, but, you know, for what we saw in the first four games of the season compared to what we've seen these last since the bye, not the same unit. Hopefully that just means Khalil Mack needs to get healthy and all of a sudden the Bears are back. So we'll see. Uh, they are wearing the uh, 1947 retro home unis today or on Sunday. Yeah, so that'll be uh, fun to see. But hopefully those work out better than the orange did. Yeah, <laughs> the, the crush <laughs> didn't go well. Um, but yeah, I mean this Jets team is not good. If the Bears lose this game, it's probably a sign that this team found kind of lightning the bottle to start the season. Likely finishes at seven and is still a young team with a young first time head coach. And right. the losses we've seen so far this season have not so much been about them being outmatched as far as talent on the football field, mm-hmm. but costly mistakes, not capitalizing on all the opportunities put in front of you. And um, I, I mean, I, something would have Mitch would need to have a terrible game. The defense would need to have a Dolphins esque terrible game for the Bears to not come away with a win tomorrow. Like j- just any way you look at it. They sh- and and the Bears are heavily favored in this game as they should be. They're home, and uh, I think it's the line is right like around like Bears minus eight right now. I'm honestly surprised it's not even a little bit higher than that. Like, I guess because the yeah. Jets are a three win team, but this Jets team is so beat up. I, yeah, I you know of course here I am, and you know what we might be talking on a, a Monday or Tuesday pod about how the Bears somehow found a way to lose this game this tomorrow. Right. Like God forbid. But, I mean, come on. There are games that you have to win on your schedule when you're a team that's trying to be competitive in your division and trying to make the playoffs for the first time in a long time. There, If the Bears lose this game tomorrow, there is no excuse. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is probably the most clear-cut, most win, or like easy win game for the Bears since the Cardinals. And yeah. that, that clearly did not go the way they wanted to. Bears were able to finish it off. But, I mean, the big thing for the Bears in this game is they have to play a smart football game. They yeah. can't have any glaring turnovers. They can't have any big penalties. They have to be smart. Um, they, they In every category across the board, the Bears are better than these Jets team, particularly with how much injury we've seen on their roster right now. The, the Bears need to execute. That happens. The Jets are probably going to beat themselves, mm-hmm. to be honest, as we saw. I mean, Sam Darnold, he's got 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And uh, as Randall pointed out, even before the show started, a lot of that comes from the really good game he had against the Broncos, where the Jets just kind of like all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Sam Darnold, really good at USC, already really good. And then through excited, it's like, oh, wait, nope, he's still a rookie. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Uh, As far as the Bears' uh, health status coming into this game, clearly, you know, we just touched on how banged up the Jets are. Seems like there are really only two question marks. How effective will Allen Robinson be, who was a ghost last week playing not at 100%, and the same question for Khalil Mack. You mentioned him playing on a bum foot last week against the Patriots after suffering that injury in the first half against the Dolphins. He has not been the same Khalil Mack we saw through the first three weeks of the season, 
and it has taken a ripple effect through the rest of that the efficiency of that Bears front seven. Yeah, and you would think, I mean, Khalil Mack, I mean, the Bears had a pretty good pass rush last year, even without Mack. Um, a lot of it was dependent upon, you know, Akeem Hicks and blitzing linebackers, but I don't know. It just seemed like, I know, it, it felt almost like the Bears knew coming into this game, or against the Patriots at least, that mm-hmm. they couldn't get that pass rush, so they tried to take space away. Yeah. I don't get that. Just put the pressure on. Yeah. So. I mean, it's Sam Darnold. You should right. be able to get right. that guy throwing picks all over the place because guess what that's exactly what he did last week we got to take our first break here on the 312 when we come back we'll keep you updated on that cats wisconsin game and continue talking about this bears jets matchup we got on deck tomorrow you're listening to the 312 on am 5090 wcgo stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to the 312. Follow them on Twitter at 312pod. Now here are your hosts, Matt Peck and Sean Sears. Welcome back to the 312, Chicago's best sports talk by the fans for the fans. Coming to you live from 1590 WCGO in Evanston as the Cats are trying to hold off the Wisconsin Badgers to get another big, Big Ten win. 31-17 the score with uh, just over four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin trying to drive right now, but they just failed on fourth and six turnover on downs. Cats get it back. We are just about ready to wrap this one up, ladies and gentlemen. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Uh, got to throw the cat sound effect in there. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Um, so we got to continue breaking down this Bears-Jets game that we got tomorrow. Um, do you see any difference in Matt Nagy's approach to this game as, say, his approach to Patriots last week or Dolphins two weeks ago from an offensive standpoint? I, I, I don't. I, I think he should come out and be aggressive in this game because I, I do think the Jets' defense isn't really anything to worry about. Um, but that also is the type of game plan that could end up giving the Jets the momentum. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I think you go with what, what you've been able to so far. You run your sets. You go with the big sets that allows with all the moving parts. See if Taylor Gabriel can break off a big play. Right. Utilize Tariq Cohen. Hey, I've heard this Jordan Howard guy that's in your backfield's pretty Dude. good sometimes. I feel like this is kind of that moment where you, you let your running game kind of dictate it. Right. And your offense can kind of make plays off of it. I mean, I, I I'm I'm so torn right now. I, I am Natalie Imbruglia because I am going up against Jordan Howard in two fantasy leagues tomorrow. Um, and I also really, as a Bears fan, want Jordan Howard to have a monster statement game. Right. Because I mean, you mentioned Tariq Cohen, and we all love Tariq here in Chicago. Guy oh, looks do. like a stud, one of many Ryan Pace stud late draft gems that we found that nobody else was looking at or nobody was looking at as closely as the Bears scouting team. And he is very useful in Matt Nagy's, you know, quirky, weird, all sorts of creative offensive sets kind of play as not only a running back, a shifty running back, but a guy who's lining up and running routes. Right. But I mean, come on. It's like Matt Nagy just ignores the fact that he has a stud between the tackles running back and Jordan Howard. And, you know, there's been various rumors and reports that Howard is not happy with his usage so far this season. And I can't blame the kid. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to think. I mean, for a guy that went to a Pro Bowl last year, uh, showed that he was essentially this entire Bears offense last year basically got abused in that backfield, yeah. taking the ball almost every play. 
it's got to be a different pace. I mean, you got to expect, I'm sure he was anticipating getting the ball less because he needed to. You don't need that many carries out of him. Um, I don't know if maybe Nagy thinks like when it gets colder, he's going to get more reps or something. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that's his mindset. But you got to think. I mean, this guy, you need to start feeding this guy the rock because yeah. he gets better with possessions with each carry. He figures it out. He's so patient with the ball. Very rarely is Jordan Howard not falling forward. Like it's hard to like the only time Jordan Howard doesn't get a big play is when there's just a massive blitz coming through on one side. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not super scared of this uh, Jets pass rush no. that's going to be coming at us tomorrow. I do think they are going to get exotic with their blitzes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of quick slants, maybe some screen plays off one side. You know, who knows? I, I, I think you got to be careful with where those blitzes are coming. But I think there's going to be chances for you to take advantage of some big pockets and spots. And mm-hmm. maybe that's where you're trying to bait them into runs and go play action. So. Well, and I think that if Mitch can make some accurate throws tomorrow, the Bears can big certainly if. make the big if because it's so, you know it's one of the things that we've talked about a little bit already this season where mm-hmm. Mitch makes some of these throws down sidelines in a tiny little window on a back shoulder, and you're like, okay, that is an all pro right. NFL quarterback throw, and then he like throws behind Trey Burton on a wide open route across the middle when nobody's within ten yards of him, and you're like, right. Mitchell, Mitchell, yeah. I um Mitchell David um but uh <laughs> a parent getting mad at their child that is calling his him by his name. full name I, that is his middle name I looked it up um there you go I was getting Mitchell David Mitchell. Trubisky he needed to know um but I I think the guy that really kind of gets screwed over on some of these throws is 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 Anthony Miller so far yeah I feel like he's run a couple really good routes he's had plenty of times where he's had plenty of separation on these crossing patterns on a play where Mitch just has to drop it in the bucket. Yeah. And he just like underthrows him or throws behind him or overthrows. It just seems like he doesn't have the touch from like 15 to 20 yards out sometimes. Right. But then, you know, we see him on court and, six yard. Know, and then sometimes you see him hit Miller perfectly in stride on what would have been, could have been, should have been a game winning touchdown uh, mm-hmm. against the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. Right. Like that was a beautiful route. As far as a rookie running his route perfectly, right. Mitch hit him right in stride, and uh, and it was in a big moment in the fourth quarter of a close game. And you're like, wow, look at that! Our our second year, basically rookie quarterback. Compared, you know, we're last year was a wash. We're, I I still I don't know about you. I think of rookie Mitch Trubisky this season. Yeah, like, I, I count him as a rookie, throwing to our stud rookie wide receiver. Yeah. And um and it was amazing and I think Miller you mentioned Gabriel who's been a great you know fast deep threat for us so far this season you know we'll see if Anthony Ro- or uh, Allen Robinson is uh, a factor tomorrow as he's playing but not 100 percent healthy yeah but um you know we-, we talked about how banged up the Jets are on the offensive side of the ball two of their top corners Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne may not see the field tomorrow and their nickel buster screen is also questionable yeah. Um, and and one of their uh, safeties, Marcus May, uh, questionable. So, like, you were mentioning maybe Nagy finds some opportunities to use that play action after establishing the run game with Jordan Howard tomorrow. Mm -hmm. This Jet secondary could be very depleted, and all Mitch needs to do is just just put his throws on target, please. Can you do that, Mitch? Can you do that for me? (laughs) Can can he be a pal? But yeah, (laughs) just do me a solid and throw the football where it needs to be tomorrow. I agree. If if the Bears execute the way they need to, this shouldn't be this should be an easy flying coasting game where the Bears probably win by a a touchdown or ten points. And you know, I don't need Mitch throwing six tutties and the Bears putting up fifty points like that Bucks game. From earlier this season, which was super fun. It doesn't need to be that. No. It just needs to be a dominant, convincing win. Like I, you know, I agree. 
Obviously, I would be devastated if the Bears can't find a way to win this game tomorrow. I would be slightly less devastated but still kind of worried and annoyed if it's close in the fourth quarter. Like yeah. This is a game that the Bears should win handily, but guess what? We said that about the Cardinals game in Week 2. Yeah, this has to mean this is a game that the Bears they they shouldn't it shouldn't be a, like a cardiac type of attack. This should be a game where the Bears can show they can close out a game. Yeah, that's that's what I think. This is the biggest that that's what I think needs to happen for this game. This game needs to be put away by the fourth quarter, where you know you can you know the Bears can can either coast or they're going to execute in the fourth quarter to make this game you know put it away. Right, they've got to do it. And if, if that doesn't happen, we're looking at a team that's young. And I said this on our podcast that we did earlier this week. It didn't go out, um, audio issues or whatever. But I, I said, you know, this Bears team, they are a young team that doesn't know how to win yet. They right. don't know how to execute wins yet. And, and this would go a long way into kind of showing them, at least guiding them into it. Because you look at the rest of this roster, a ton of talented guys, really good players across the board. Very few of them come from situations where they won consistently. Right. And yeah. I think that's a trait you have to learn, and you'll have to learn by losing. Yeah, and uh, you know that's you know that goes in line as you were saying with just a young team, mm-hmm. a first year head coach, a young head coach. That was that was a funny stat that I didn't really think about until somebody mentioned it for that Bears pass matchup last week. Matt Nagy is younger than Tom Brady, the quarterback yeah. that he was coaching. How Isn't that nuts insane? is that? That's crazy. Like what? Not the youngest uh, coach in the league. No, Sean McVay. McVay. Yeah, who's he was like thirty-three. Rushing it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, wow, like what am I doing with my life? Right. That guy's that guy's like a year too older than me, and he's the head coach of an NFL team. That looks like head and shoulders best team in football. Yeah. Right um. P.S. Go Rams. Oh yeah. Knock the poop out of Aaron Rodgers tomorrow. We wouldn't please be upset. and thank you. Wouldn't be upset <laughs> if that <laughs> happened. Boy, the Rams knocked the poop out of him. Yeah. <laughs> You can't say poop when you're calling a football game. Um, so uh, one person that I want to get your take on, Sean, sure. real quick before we uh, wrap up this Bears-Jets preview is a guy that got called out by one of my favorite NFL um, analysis guys uh, in sports media right now, and that's Lewis Riddick Ooh. of ESPN. He came on some show on ESPN 1000 earlier this week and called out Leonard Floyd, called him out for basically really? just being a ghost so far this season. And we know that he has been working with that hand injury that he suffered earlier in the season, playing uh-huh. with a club and all that, and maybe that affects his, you know, the ways that he can be uh, a guy who is beating his guy when he's rushing off the edge. Sure. But the club is off now, and we still just have not seen a game from Leonard Floyd yet this season where he looks like a guy that the Bears spent a first round, an, an early first-round draft pick on. Yeah. And I just, like... For all of the expectations that have been thrown on the shoulders of Khalil Mack, and for all of those Bears fans who are falling in love even more and more every day with guys like Akeem Hicks and other people like Bilal Nichols, who had a great game last week, there are all these other pieces of the Bears front seven that people are like, okay, this is, this front seven is amazing. Where's Leonard Floyd? L- Lewis Riddick, as you just said, like, wh- Leonard Floyd, make a play, man. Yeah, I, I he's had one fumble recovery. That's about his biggest play. I think he had a couple passes deflected or whatever. His, what I keep seeing from him, and I'm no football expert, but he just is too tall sometimes. He doesn't mm-hmm. get his pad level low. And with the issue, usually what he what makes him so successful is, like you said, his long arms makes it really hard to engage in him. So they mm-hmm. might have his arms on him, but they can't guide him where they want him to go. Right. Now that he's finally, he's got the club off his hand, we haven't seen too much explosiveness from him. I don't know if it's, you know, he either has to start utilizing his arms and keeping pass rushers away and either go outside, inside, stunt, whatever it needs to be, or get your pad level lower and drive a guy. 
Right. I know you're a lanky looking guy, but you're still like 280. You're just tall as all heck. I mean, you just got to go out and, and, and be an aggressive guy off the edge. So, I mean, I would agree, Lewis Reddick. I mean, he's this is a guy that in his third season should be coming into his own. Should right. be finally, we're seeing an elite pass rusher is what we should and be seeing. We knew when the Bears drafted him, he was a freakishly athletic project. Right. Not a kid who was going to come in right away and be, uh, you know, a, a driving force, a factor, mm-hmm. a game changer in ways that we kind of expected Roquan Smith to just come in and be a stud, a starter, a game changer. Um, and, you know, to some extent, Roquan has lived up to and failed to live up to, depending on the game, those right. expectations for him. But those expectations weren't even there for Leonard Floyd. It no. was, this kid's a project and it's going to take a while. But as you said, it's it's year three for him now. It stinks that he hasn't had a fully healthy season in either yeah. his year one or year two. And now again in year three, he's fighting an injury. But like at some point, and it's the same thing Bears fans said about Kevin Love. Uh, Kevin Love. Kevin White is like, hey, at some point you got to go prove that you were worth being a first-round draft pick. Right. And uh, it would sure be nice if tomorrow against a very vulnerable Jets offensive line and a bad Jets quarterback, Leonard Floyd goes out there and has himself a game. I think my biggest issue with him, and I think what stands out to most to me, is like when he's on the edge, it looks like a wide receiver or tight end. Yeah. It doesn't look like a linebacker. Yeah, it's really weird. It's super weird to he's see that. He's scrawny, there. man. Yeah, but then you see how explosive he is. He's just got to get quick and take advantage of these single blocking situations. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, game, game prediction. I'm going to say Bears 34, Jets 17. 31 20. Bears. Okay. Uh, we got to take a break here on the 3 and 2. When we come back, we're going to dive in to that uh, garbage fire that was the Bulls' performance against the Hornets last night. They got another one on deck tonight against Atlanta. This season is not going great so far. More 312 on the other side of this break. Stick around. Welcome back to the 312. Follow them on Twitter at 312pod. Now here are your hosts, Matt Peck and Sean Sears. Welcome back to the 312, Chicago's best sports talk. Coming to you live from AM 1590 WCGO in Evanston. I'm your host, Matt Peck. Sean Sears, my co-host. Great news, Sean. Cats Hooray. didn't cough it up. Hooray! There, it wasn't even a cardiac cats moment at the end. They yeah. win convincingly over the Badgers, thirty-one to seventeen. The final. Mm. Uh, there, there's that audio cue I was looking for, Randall. I just died. Uh, <laughs> good job, Fitzy. Clayton, Peyton Manning, Thorson. Oh man, seventeen for thirty, one hundred sixty-seven yards, one TD, three picks. Yeah. Peyton Manning, me. Yeah, okay. Hey, I've got something around your parade, though. Mm-hmm. The Bulls have a game tonight. Oh, gross. <laughs> Dude, do I have to go in you do. to NBC and talk about them after You the will game do your job, and you will love it. I will. <laughs> I'll do it and like it. Yeah. Um, You're hey, like we, it. we had fun last night breaking down that catastrophe <laughs> yeah. against the Hornets. Uh, yeah, so we got to talk about the Bulls for a second here. This was a, uh, a season with not high expectations for myself and I think a lot of realists, some of those Bulls optimists out there were saying, oh, the East is so bad, and now LeBron's gone, and like this could be like the fifth or the sixth seed in the East. And I was saying, children, please, um, educate yourself. No. Yeah. <laughs> Even if healthy, this Bulls team, I didn't see them making the playoffs this year. No. Now we are down Lowry Marganin. We are down Chris Dunn. We are down Denzel. We are down Bobby. 
And uh, last night, conceivably your starting lineup, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you, well, yeah, four of your starting five, essentially. Yeah. That's you know, well, not Denzel. Denzel's going to be a bench player when he comes back, right? Um, at, and you know, unless at some point the Bulls decide that you know Justin Holiday does not de- deserve to be getting starters minutes, which I I don't know why he is right now. He doesn't deserve it as it is. Um, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> so, and already there are all sorts of problems going on. You got. Zach Levine maybe calling out some of the late game offensive sets that Fred is and is not running. AKA, yeah. hey Fred, I'm clearly the best guy you got right now. Give me, give me the darn ball. You got Jabari after last night's blowout loss saying, you know, well, you know, we just weren't prepared for the offensive adjustments that the Hornets made after our game on Wednesday, and they were running these, you know, double screen sets, and we just couldn't keep up. And I was like, Jabari, um, have you looked in a mirror recently? Yeah, but because the person getting burned on those screens was your fat butt. Yeah, that was you, bud. That was you, sir. <laughs> that was you and your lateral lack of lateral quickness. And those Jabari standards. I mean, oh well, dude, check the box score. Like Jabari poured in another nineteen last night. Yeah, eleven of those came in garbage time when the Bulls yeah. were down thirty. Thank God. Kept and Zach Levine being... was keeping himself nice and safe on the bench, um, which you know ended Zach Levine's streak of thirty or more points to start the season. That came to an end last night. Uh, twenty points. And guess what? If Levine is not pouring in thirty plus. And you don't get a random juggernaut behind the three-point line night from campaign, and you're down all of those other scorers and players. Yeah, the, you're, the Bulls are giving up 115 plus every night. And that is a thing that will happen. And if you don't have Zach Levine going off, and you don't have one other person randomly getting hot from downtown, the Bulls are going to lose by 30, and that's what happened last night. And that's not a recipe for success, is it? Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not. As the Bulls sit at one and four. Wow. But yeah. hey. <laughs> Just listen to those ping pong balls flying around that Ooh, glass bubble, baby. Sounds great. Uh, Can't wait till we get the fifth pick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. The Sacramento Kings have three wins. Yeah, that's three true. Three times the wins that the Bulls have right now. And tonight, down in Atlanta, I'm excited to watch Trey Young because that kid, you know, I, I thought that the Hawks were out of their minds when they traded down to get him. That's so true. Instead of having Luka Doncic, who the Bulls have already seen, and he looks pretty darn good. He looks good. Um, this could be a tanking team in Atlanta this year. I expect I this mean, to they, be a tanking team they, in Atlanta this year. They should be. Trey Young is a rookie uh, who's probably their best player already. And uh, yeah. this could be a great opportunity for a tank win tonight for the Bulls. And by tank win, I mean a loss. A loss. And giving Atlanta another win. Um, I um I don't know if you watched any of the uh, the Atlanta-Dallas game was on earlier this week. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. I did. I caught a, a good amount yeah, of Yeah, I was watching it. It was actually, I mean, that was the biggest thing I took away from it. Trey Young looked impressive, but the other takeaway I took from it is I do not know a single player at Atlanta. Oh, dude, that team <laughs> is just a whole who's who of nobody. Right, and their jerseys are not great. And, Terrible. I mean, like, it's cool. Mm. Like, their halftime shows have, like, legitimate DJs that show up, like, people that play clubs in Atlanta, which yeah. is, like, a cool environment to go to. Like, if they were fun, if they were a good team, like, I'd love to go to Atlanta and watch the game. Yeah. Uh, they're not, though. Yeah. No, um, they, they the, that franchise should change their name from the Atlanta Hawks to the Whoville Who's. Yeah. Like, who, who are these people on this roster? <laughs> it's so valid. I mean, I, I don't know any of these players. And, like, it's crazy. Like, I didn't even know. Like, because I remember watching this game being like, oh, Dennis Schroeder isn't on this team? Yeah, no, they, he, no, they got rid of him. Yeah, no, I looked and I was like, oh, he just scored 20 points from Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, like, not this team. I don't know who any of this team is. And then also on the flip side, Luka Doncic looks real good. I don't care how good Trey Young is. I would put all of my pretend betting money into Luka Doncic's, uh, you know, trust like, fund of being Long-term career, better than Trey Young? 100%. Yeah, I, I would, too. Absolutely. So, 
Um, but so from the Bulls' perspective, I mean, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint what the biggest problem is right now. The obvious answer is this: this team can't stop a nosebleed defensively. Yeah. Uh, the the problem that stems from that problem is that Zach Levine is talking about running the right offensive sets when clearly the problem is defense. Jabari Parker is you know running his mouth. So when he's not declining to talk to the media, Jabari is saying, "Well, yeah, I mean, we got cooked on the defensive end yet last night." When clearly he is a big part of the problem. Yeah, like you got he- all these fingers pointing in all these directions already in a very young season, and part of that's probably just a frustrated group that's fighting through all these injuries. But guess what, guys? The biggest problem here is that you. Do not have enough offensive talent to counterbalance just how woefully pitiful right. your defense is. That's and that's the thing, the biggest thing. And you would, I would be like, at least I could tolerate the conversation if those guys were at least trying, and we were seeing effort coming out, and and they were at least putting forth a defense of like whatever. And if even if they weren't, if they had the response of like, well, we just need to get better on defense, we need to work harder or whatever. It, it, instead, of Jabari's like, well, you know, Fred doesn't know what he's doing. Right. Like we ran, they ran this set a bunch of times, and we just didn't know how to defend it. Um, Jabari, it's called moving yeah. around the screen and playing deeper and forcing them to shoot the ball instead <laughs> yeah. of going wide open to the hoop. That would be the defensive play that yeah. you failed to execute. In between, big fat more. In between taking those long twos that you love so yeah. much. God, would you, maybe. Oh. I mean, I am not a runner, Sean. You know this about me. I'm aware. I could run down a basketball court faster than what we have seen from Jabari Parker. The he, guy is the definition of loafing. It's like he's got to shake everyone's hands on courtside before he gets to the other side. Like, oh, these are the rules. <laughs> hey, everyone, hello. My name's Jabari Parker. I don't play There's defense. Already tons of video evidence of him not boxing out. That's crazy. Can't, man. Like, can't box out a fly. Right. And um, is, you know, jacking up bad shots so that he can get his 19 a night. He really is Carmelo Anthony, but worse. He's, he's yeah, he's. He, I can't say it better myself. That's what he is. He really is. He's man. old Carmelo, but he's still young. Yeah, but he's twenty four. It's, it's so bad. Oh, it's so bad. And now you got this. You know, this Rolodex of backup point guards that are trying to fill in for Chris Dunn for the next four weeks. Yeah, there's good Cam and bad Cam. I mean, good Cam showed up for the first half again last night, yeah, following cool. up on his twenty one percent career high. He had 15 first-half points, and okay. between he and Zach getting their buckets of the first half and Charlotte tossing up a bunch of bricks, the Bulls were still kind of in that game for the first 20 minutes or so. Then Charlotte started hitting all of their wide-open threes as opposed to missing all their wide-open threes. Mm, heard that's Cam, good. Cam disappeared in the second half. And these backup point guards, man. I mean, Archie Diacono, I'm so sick of all these Bulls fans that are like, dude, he's so good. He's a decent option who's getting his most effective stats in, in garbage time. Yeah, man. Come on now. Blakeney loves to shoot, but he's not great no. at making his shots. Not good at that. He can't facilitate. He can't play a lick of defense. I'm, I'm sitting here saying we got our first glimpse of Shaq Harrison, who they picked up off the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns you know, scrap heap after picking up Tyler Eulis off the Phoenix Suns scrap heap and saying Shaq Harrison looked good last night. Here's a kid who you know, just, just arrived a couple days ago right? and gets in his first minutes – and knock down a couple threes, which he's not. He wasn't brought here to be an offensive threat. He's brought here to be a defensive guy on right. a backcourt that is deplete of any defensive talent with, with with Chris Dunn out. But he was making hustle plays, and he at one point when Archie Diacono got totally just abused on a backdoor cut for an alley oop, 
where he just totally lost his man. Shaq Harrison, the young kid who has been here for all of three days, yeah. you could see on the replay was pointing out to Archie Diakono, like, yo, dude, that was your guy. You yeah. just messed up. The young kid who just got here is the only one who's capable of calling things out on defense, making an effort on defense, and it's like, it's him and Wendell, another rookie, who are the ones saying, like, hey, guys, it's you know, you guys are all complaining about who's taking shots. Our defense is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> hey, over here, our defense is what needs fixing. And all these bulls like ah no we you know we got the injuries and we we got to figure out how to score more points. My God, know, pay attention to the real problem. Like, you know what's a kicker is like how did this team let go of David Nwabo? Like how is how did you justify that when you knew coming in here? Well, we're bringing in Jabari. Zach Levine's going to play plenty more games now. Um, it might be hard to fit him in, but I mean, damn, I, uh, put him at the three. Like oh my gosh, yeah. Like what do you, what do you? What? I, I just don't get it. I mean, I know he's tiny. He's only a six four guard. I, I get he's not big, but I mean, clearly his and he's defense not is there. much of an offensive threat. You yeah, know, can't I, shoot the I, ball. I get it, but at least I mean, I guess who expects the Bulls to be in this situation? Right. Even yeah. then, would have been real nice to have. I mean, Nawaba. yeah, I I think some people like the Nawaba stands on Twitter who are like incredulous that they didn't keep him. Like, okay, like it's David Nawaba. He's yeah. a decent de- defensive player. Um, certainly. You know, behind Chris Dunn, the best defensive player they had last season. Right. Um, would have been nice if they were able to keep him around. Um, and, I mean, maybe just looking at the, the Bulls' first five games so far, you see how much he has sorely missed. The The other thing that we'll touch on real quick here before we wrap up our Bulls talk is Chandler Hutchison, one, you know, the, the rookie that followed Wendell with that 22nd pick that the Bulls gave that draft promise to, got his first start last night mm-hmm. with the injury to Bobby Hoiberg deciding to keep Jabari with that second unit which I thought was the right call cuz right you need call. Jabari scoring on that second unit cuz nobody else can mm-hmm. um Chandler didn't have a great game offensively he literally put a zero uh, on the points column of his box score but he grabbed like six or seven rebounds he had a couple of assists he you know Fred talked about how he loved his ability to grab rebounds and push the ball at the floor that's yeah. like his best skill set and we saw that on display last night with Chandler in that starting lineup um do you want to continue to see that as far as the other option of putting Jabari back in the starting lineup I mean, that's what I would rather have. I mean, at least you know Chandler's going to push the pace. And he's going to at least try to play defense. Right. Whereas Jabari, like you said, his best skill right now is scoring. You need that on your second unit. Right. Keep him there. I, it doesn't matter how much money you're paying anyone at this point. This team's bad. Try and, wait, try and be effective when you can. Right. And then utilize and the young talent you got. This team is so depleted at the wing right now, I would love to just see Chandler continue to get starts on a team that isn't going anywhere. They're not making the playoffs. Let that kid get some experience. Let him work on his shot. Let him do all these things uh, because, you know, why not right. at this point? Right. we got to take our last break here on the 312. When we come back, we'll wrap things up with a look at our Blackhawks, uh, who got a nice convincing win over the Rangers uh, on Thursday night. You're listening to the 312 on AM 1590 WCGO. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the 312. Follow them on Twitter at 312pod. Now here are your hosts, Matt Peck and Sean Sears. What's up and welcome back into the 312, Chicago's best sports talk by the fans, for the fans. I'm your host, Matt Peck, along with Sean Sears. <clears throat> Pardon me, just got a little Gatorade stuck in my throat. 
thought we lost uh, you for a sec, man. I was oh, nervous. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Stick a fork in me. I went down on choking on a Gatorade. You don't have to be an athlete to drink Gatorade. You can just be a thirsty dude. Um, that so, should be their new catchers. Yeah, right? But careful. You can choke on it. Joking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so let's talk to Blackhawks for a sec here, Sean. And uh, Randall, our producer, we got to get your take on this too because you are our local hockey guy. Um, nice win. I was actually at the Madhouse for that 4-1 to win over the Rangers on Thursday. It was electric in there. It was the first Hawks game I'd been to this season, first Hawks game I'd been to since like early last season. I forgot how much fun it is to be in that environment They're when cool the Hawks games. are playing. And like again last night, and this is what we've seen so far through, what, 10 or 11 games now, it was the Taze and Kane show. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we were so concerned and so down on Jonathan Taves coming into this season because last season it looked like, oh, oh no, Jonathan Taves is like hitting a wall. He's hitting the 30-year-old wall, and he has had such a bounce-back season so far, and it continued last night. Randall, do you think that we were all like way too quick to to label Taser's career on a sharp decline just because last season was was not a great one? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because of one simple reason. Think about this. Think about how much hockey that man has played since he came into the league a few that many years ago. Yeah. You look at all the Olympic games he's played, all the playoff games he's played, all the time he's been on the ice. Man was dead last year. Yeah. You know, and he didn't really have much help around him. He had Sodder who hasn't he's starting to pick it up now, but last Looked year he was there was nothing truly around him outside of Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. So you you know he Jonathan Taze plays his best when he has people around him that he can facilitate to. And if nobody's shooting and nobody's scoring, he's not going to be playing his best. He can't do it all himself. He's not that type of center. No. Sean? Uh, Are are you ready to forgive uh, uh, those who called out Taser's career for being over? No. No, I'm not. (laughs) Because that was dumb. Like, I mean, there's a reason this guy's the captain for the the Canadian team. Like, you know, it's not Sidney Crosby. It's Jonathan Taves. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's a reason that he's he's, he's these type of guys. Like Randall said, like, he's got a pedigree of being an elite hockey player essentially since the day he stepped on ice. Right. I don't know. I mean, I like you said, there wasn't money pieces there. He's only 30. Like, come on, let's slow the roll. I know it's easy to kind of fall into that kind of like, all right, well, expect nothing, low expectations type of th- thought process with the Blackhawks team that's kind of coming out of their dynasty years and more into like, you know, like what are they, are they, they could they be good still? We're not really sure. Right. And in Chicago, I mean, w- w- last dynasty we saw was the Bulls and it just fell apart and is still falling apart. So yeah. I, I, I can see why Chicago pessimism gets in here. But I mean, this Blackhawks team got Patrick Kane making a legitimate MVP candidate case here. Alex Debrinkit. Debrinkit looks like. Coming up big again. He, he had a goal and superstar. assist on Thursday. Big fan of the kitty. Yep. Um, kitty cat. <laughs> um, Brandon Saad coming back. He was demoted to the fourth line. Was almost a healthy scratch. Now he's back. I think. I think he's back with Kane and Schmoltz. Yeah, second he? line again. Yeah, so he's top six forward. So I mean, like he's hopefully figuring it out. Who knows? But yeah. they're playing okay. And and like we were talking about in the break here, Randall and I. If Corey Crawford keeps playing like this, I mean, dude, can I carry mean, the team. Another W for Corey on Thursday. Three and one so far since his return this season. A nine forty six save percentage and a goals against average of one fifty two. Yeah, that's that is epic levels of really good goaltending. That'll play. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's great. And we were talking about too. I mean, Cam Ward's been solid too. I mean, not not anything you're excited about for, but for a backup, I mean, you're at least sort of confident in the guy going in the net. You can at least for a game you can live with Cam Ward. But right, you know, I mean, this team is okay. I think that what what you're worried about is their defense because yeah. behind behind Keith behind uh, Seabrook, who I think he just jumped up to third all time in goals or something like that. Right, or something like that. Um, I mean. 
you know, it, it's not a whole lot there that you really can rely on. So I'm going to disagree with you on that, brother. You like the defense? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I'm afraid of the defense. Yeah. Um, there are a couple players that don't deserve to be anywhere near NHL ice on that defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're missing one player. Paging that is... Brandon Manning. Yes. Um... <laughs> Paging Brandon Manning. Please get off my ice. Yeah. But um, Joka Haraju. Yeah. He's been playing. It's been great. Out. He's been on that power play too. As yeah. Well. Absolutely. And the great thing is he is that type of defenseman, too, that pairs perfectly with Duncan Keith. Mm -hmm. Duncan Keith is such a horse that he's going to hop into the play. Duncan Keith is going to be that type of guy that hops into a play, whether it be on the power play or just standard five-on-five, and help the offense out. Shoka Haraju has done so good at sinking back when he goes. He knows that Dunks is going to go, so Shoka Haraju will actually drop back and kind of play center field and wait and see what happens. Okay. Hopefully has the feet to get back enough to where he can cover for dunks until right. Keith can get back. That's a good, I mean that's a great point too. I mean clearly Duncan Keith, you want him being able to attack in the offensive zone because he's great with a stick. But yeah. yeah, if you have a guy that's going to play off him well, that's huge. Yeah, because so. that used to be the Seabrook role. That's true. Yeah, yeah, used to. And uh, <laughs> did, you, did you guys see Seabrook just recently passed? Uh, I can't remember who he passed, but now he's third in games played all time. Is that what it was? On, yeah. In a Hawks jersey, okay. just behind Makita and Hull. Yeah. Which, I mean, I mean no and, and Duncan him. Keith is only, I think, like 10 games behind yeah, he's, him, he's so fifth, he's going to leapfrog a couple people this season, too. or something too. like that, yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if Seabs can just be a guy who makes me not think about his contract every time I watch a Hawks <laughs> game and how overbloated and, un, uh, you know, immobile it is, then, uh, you know, that'll be good enough for me. So the Hawks are back in action tonight, again playing the St. Louis Blues. What? I, I feel like we play the St. Louis Blues every other day. We've already had two games against our uh, our Central Division rivals, both of them overtime games, both of them victories in overtime. Uh, so hopefully they can keep that trend going. The Blues are struggling so far this season. They're 2-4-3 and three on the year, so they're desperate for a win. And, you know, here we are talking about how Taser's having a bounce-back year. Kane is still Kane. Dabrinkit's impressive. You know, some of these pieces on the blue line are not as bad as we thought. And yet, the Blackhawks have gotten points in eight of their ten games. They're 6-2-2. Two, and two. And they're fourth in their division. Yeah. Why does it have to be with the Bears and the Blackhawks that their division is just unfairly good? Can yeah. we sign some kind of petition to get out of this division? Well, it's Detroit not fair. Did. Yeah. yeah. The Red Wings did four or five years ago. Yeah. They clearly going really well from at one and seven. Um, <laughs> I mean, terrible. you got Nashville with 16 points, Colorado 16 points, Winnipeg 15, Hawks 14. Uh, and then the Wild, Dallas Stars, and Blues behind them with 12, 10, and 7, respectively. Do you think any of those teams are fool's gold good right now that are ahead of the Blackhawks? Colorado. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Colorado. I did not falls see off. them as a real player coming into this season. No. Winnipeg and Nashville are clearly very good. I think Dallas is better than what they're playing as right now. But. D- Dallas has always been that fool's gold team, though. That that's true. They always look incredible. Tyler Sagan, you're always waiting for Jimmy him to break ben, out. Jamie yeah. Ben, and it's just, it never happens because their goaltending is always hot garbage. Yeah. Carry letting in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, letting in goals. We, uh, we have hit the 3 o'clock hour. That means it's time for us to check out and get out of here. Um, so we have tip-off. 6:30. Yep. Bulls Hawks down in Atlanta. That should be fun. Nope. Uh, if you if you want if you want some post game coverage, check me out on Bulls Outsiders after Bulls post game live on that NBC Chicago tonight, where we'll get to you know make fun of what will likely be another ugly Bulls performance, and uh, and then right after that at 7 p.m. Central Time, it's puck drop between the Hawks and the Blues. Great Saturday night of sports here in Chicago, and then tomorrow Bears Jets bear down baby yeah. for our producers Andrew and. 
Uh, Randall, for my co-host Sean Sears, Matt Peck saying thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend, Chicago. Same time, same place. Next week, we're out. Peace. How's your new kitchen coming along? It isn't. What do you mean? My contractor has my money, and he's not returning my calls. I don't think I'll ever see him again. He must not have been a NARI member. A NARI member? What's NARI? NARI is the National Association of the Remodeling Institute.